Hey everybody and welcome to another edition of the DH Sales Kennel Kelp Holistic Healing Hour with your host and moderator, me, Brad Bill. Welcome one and all. And in just a second, it's going to be my great pleasure to introduce Gail Barron. And for those of you that do follow the show archivally, first of all, thank you for doing so. We're here each and every day, Sunday through Saturday. And I did do a little prelude about Gail. We were just discussing that just a few seconds ago. So what I will do before I have Gail come in here for a moment and bear with me, folks, I'm going to read from Gail's Energy is Real website here for a second. And that's uh, obviously with the security code, HTTPS, Energy, Mr. Magoo Eyes here, energyisreal.com. And I did reference this in the prelude. So what I'm going to do here for a second is bear with myself with my hands and navigate the page to all the way to the bottom all the way to the bottom of the page thank you gail for helping me navigate that (laughs) and then i'm going to click on your photo like you said correct yeah where it says read more and then we should be able to get going right on that point my screen is going to click up so here we go thank you gail Here's Gail Garand in a moment here. Gail Crystal Berend, my mistake, is an engineer, speaker, healer, and teacher. She has been an energy practitioner for over 20 years. Gail is also a certified infinite possibilities trainer based on the best-selling book, Infinite Possibilities, using my quotation fingers for those of you that are in studio when this goes to podcast uh, live and The Art of Living Your Dreams by Mike Dooley, one of the teachers in the film, again, using my quotation fingers, verbatim, The Secret. And if you want more health and vitality, looking for clarity and purpose, personal energy sessions can help for more information. And you're you're comfortable with me divulging your phone number, right, Gail? Uh, No, just have the, they uh, they can contact me on the website. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. So, yeah. like Gail said, uh, you can contact her. And Gail, I'm going to segue right in. Welcome aboard. And please, as I always do, tell us all your story. And welcome aboard. Thank you. I'm I'm excited and delighted to be here. Thank you. Um, it's, this is my favorite subject, energy. So uh, I I'll, I jump at any chance to talk about it. So I'm really grateful that you invited me on your it's show. It's one of my favorite topics, too. So <laughs> Oh, it's so important. Yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, well, my story, I started out woo-phobic. So uh, that means I was, I was your, your left-brain logical, skeptical engineer mm-hmm. and to the point where I wouldn't allow, you know, any, any kind of paranormal or even spiritual stuff. I would sort of back away from, you know. <laughs> back, but I, I, I figured, and if anything was kind of, you know, unusual, I assumed there was a scientific explanation for it. We just didn't know it yet, right? So, and even I wouldn't even allow Bible in my house. That's how closed I was to spirituality and that sort of thing. So I was very much in that at that time in my life, um, up to my thirties. I was very much very materialistic in the sense that this is all there is, the physical world. And there had to be a physical explanation for everything. And so um, I wasn't open to ideas of more expanded ideas of reality and metaphysics. And uh, it took, it took, as it often does, 
but took a major fall, if you like, fall in, in um, self-esteem and all of that sort of thing, major uh, emotion. For me, it was an emotional fall that uh, forced me. Basically, you know the expression, you know, when life forces you to your knees, you're in a good position to pray. Well, <laughs> well, I wouldn't have prayed at that stage, but I certainly ended up on my knees. So it had to do with a, a very traumatic breakup with somebody that I uh, was living with. And, you know, we've been talking marriage, kids, the whole thing. And my, my neat little ordered engineer mind, I had this vision plotted out ahead of me, you know, the house in the suburbs, 2.5 kids, the the minivan and the driveway and the, and the dog, but that was my neat ordered world. And that, that's where I thought I was heading. And, and then I was totally shocked when my partner cheated on me and I found out um, by the fact he just didn't come home one night. And, um, and he'd usually had in the past, he'd been good at calling me, let me know if he was delayed or, you know, whatever, but one night he didn't. And he stayed out till, well, I called the police, I called the hospitals, you know, emergency to find out because I hadn't heard from him and um, it was getting late. It was past, yeah, he normally had been home by six or seven and there was nothing. And so I was worried and, um, but there was no, I called them all and they said, nope, no, no reports, nothing. And so then I, I, um, finally I went to bed and obviously I wasn't able to sleep. But around five in the morning, he came home smelling of cigarettes and alcohol. And he didn't smoke and also perfume. So he didn't smoke. <laughs> it was a perfume that was the kicker, right? <laughs> it was the perfume that was the kicker because he didn't wear perfume either. So, um, and of course, my my heart dropped when that happened. And, uh, and I had called out to him when he entered. He, came in through I had called out to him I hope you have a good excuse and I dearly hoped that he did you know I, I was really praying he did have a good excuse but his response was not encouraging he said do you want me to sleep in the other room so it was um it was devastating and, and so I, I said no I think we need to speak and so we talked, and uh, and that's when it all came out. You know how when when somebody's holding a, a secret, it's such a relief to to say it for him, and uh, and so then he came out with too much information that was deeply you know, how wonderful this woman was and all that sort of thing. Which you know maybe you might tell your best friend that, but you don't tell the person that you're living with that. And uh, anyway, it was devastating, and I yeah. I was in shock. Can I ask you a quick question? And I'm so sorry for interrupting. If you're comfortable in doing so, we don't want to pry too deep. Can I ask you how long you had been together at that point? Four years. We've been together, living together four years. Okay, thank you. And continue yeah. on. And we were at, at the stage where we, we had been looking to buy a house together and yep. uh, settle down and eventually get married and have kids and that sort okay. of thing. So we had been talking about it. Correct. And that's why I had that, I had built that little future for myself because the uh, you know, that's what we've been talking about. And we had been recently looking to buy a house. Right. So uh, it was, it was a shock. And, and my neat little engineer mind got blown away by that. And, and that my heart was broken. I ended up, uh, eventually it took me a few days to realize I had a say in the matter. And, 
because I was in such shock. And uh, finally, because it was my apartment we were living in, uh, finally I, I asked him to leave. And I, I realized I couldn't, I couldn't put up with this. And, and that whatever happened, he, he'd have to sort it out but not live with me at the time, right? That this would have to, this would have to ha uh, you know, we, I couldn't put up with that because uh, it was just too painful. And um, not that I was shutting off all communication. It was just, I just couldn't live with him at the same time knowing that he was, you know, doing that. So. That's quite a bit of information, understatement of the century. Too. Yes. In that immediacy. So you're. And it blows away, it blows away your vision, right? I mean, what I thought was true wasn't. And, and you numb to it that quickly because it's like, uh, what? So well, it's, and it's your whole future, right? So it was basically that neat little ordered future fell off the edge of a cliff as if an earthquake had hit, right? And, and, uh, and I fell with it. So, uh, you know, in the days that followed, I, I went into a state of deep despair and, and, um, it was like I, I fell into the abyss. Right. And, and you, you know, for many of us, uh, when we're down, our ego will kick us when we're down, right? All the, all the self-loathing comes out that we didn't even know was there. It just comes out and it keeps pummeling you. And then you, if you believe it, you spiral into it more. And so the, and I didn't even know that was there, but it, it was like a vicious self-loathing. And where did that come from? And, and you know, many years later, I found out where that came from. But I didn't. At that time, I wasn't, hadn't done any personal work at all. Yeah. And so there was, some, there was some subconscious trauma from a very young age that I didn't even know about, which I didn't discover till much later. Right. But uh, so all this very um, hateful self-thought and and you know viciousness came from within and it, it was like you're no good you know you're a loser you'll never find love you don't deserve love you know all of the, that kind of rubbish but you don't know it sounds like you right it's it's your own voice it's in your own voice telling you that and i just i just spiraled into into this deepening despair because it, i i was um sort of taking it in and, and it just lowered my self-esteem and, and uh, sense of worth to the point where I really did believe that I didn't deserve love and that I was uh, would never have love and that I was uh, unlovable even at the core. Yeah. And um, in that place of deep despair and uh, basically it was like, if, if I can't have love, why live? So I became mm -hmm. suicidal at that point, right? What, what's the point Bye -bye. of living? If yeah. I can't have that as part of, you know, in my experience. And and so I was contemplating suicide and, and I wasn't doing anything, you know, buying anything for it, but I was thinking about ways I could. And, and in this place of utter despair, it's, it's as if I, I broke open and, and I, I was sobbing and I was feeling the depth of my, my pain. And in that moment when I felt most unlovable and and hopeless and helpless i had a suddenly heard a voice in my head that said but i love you and it filled me with energy from the top of my head all the way down my body it's like a rush of golden energy golden pinky energy and remember i was this logical upright engineer i had no frame of reference for this that was my first introduction to energy and it was conscious it was 
deeply loving. I, I had never experienced the depth of love that I was experiencing in that moment. And so there was this moment where this contradiction was happening. On the one hand, I was telling myself I was worthless. I could never have love. Meanwhile, I was being flooded with love. And, and so how do you deal with my brain was going like, whoa. I'm sorry. Can I ask you another quick question? In, if, I'm, if I'm being too personal, start me anywhere along the way. But I think the subject's so important. So I want you to be comfortable. And, of course. Do, do you hold it as, how did it manifest itself? Do you believe in like guardian angels over souls or? Uh, well, you know, I didn't, at, the, at that moment, I didn't right. know what it was, but I knew it was real because I felt it. It wasn't just a voice. If it had just been a voice, I could have dismissed it, you know, like, yeah, yeah. But right. it was accompanied with this rush of energy and right. this feeling of, of love exploding in all my cells. You know, right. it, was, it was visceral. It was right in, in, my, in my body. And that's what convinced me. Remember, I was a materialist, so I it's had to feel it in my body, right? It's the and real so when you get that energy. Something... Something important happened, and Absolutely. I knew it. Even though I didn't have a frame of reference for it, there was something. Way, there was something to do with reality way bigger than I ever realized. Right. And and as I, it's as if I was being given a cosmic hug, right in every atom of my being. And I I felt so as I was in that state, I was sort of transported to a a, a wider awareness and expanded right. awareness where I, it's as if I was floating in the universe. And, you know, amongst the stars, and yet at the same time, aware of my body. And, and I, I got these, uh, this knowing that this is, that I'm not special, that this, I'm loved. Every part of me is loved. I'm, that, that, um, even the flaws are, are loved. And, uh, there was no part of me that was not lovable. And not right. only that, the, in that expanded state, I realized that that's true for all of us. It's not that I've been singled out as special, but that I, in this, it's as if some vast compassionate intelligence sensed my pain and came in. It's like, whoa. It's truly, it's truly the, you know, it's a, it's a miracle. Yeah. It, it, it it's a universal gift. It's the yeah, universal it, gift. It was literally a, a, a Exactly. It was literally a revelation and it blew my mind because I didn't have a frame of reference for it. So, uh, and I never lost, and I never felt alone again after that, even though, you know, my, the intensity would, would wane and that sort of thing. But I, I had been shown that this is real. It's not something. And that's kind of the reason my, my website is called energy is real. Cause that was my big lesson, right? That there is a world of energy and, and it's and it's benign. That was the part I didn't know because, you know, we're one of I, one of the reasons I was allergic to religion. That sort of thing was all the hellfire damnation stuff and the stuff about being a sinner and being no good and all of that stuff. And that and which was exactly what that voice was saying, right? My own voice, right? The one that was beating me down. Whereas, whereas, yeah, whereas whereas this was totally different. Revelation. This is showing more like what Jesus was saying, right? That 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 God is love, infinite love, and that and and not and we're not anonymous because you know I was never an atheist. I was always an agnostic because it seemed to me atheism is a position, but agnosticism is kind of saying I don't know, you know. But I'd never experienced this personally until then, and so after that happened, I became whereas before I'd been resisting any kind of weirdness 
suddenly I was hungry to learn more. I became a seeker. And well, I, I wanted to know what that was. My curious engineer mind said, okay, so this is here. What is it? And, um, and I had no idea where to proceed. So the first thing, because remember, I was, I was allergic to religion, so I wasn't going to go there. Even though something that seemed like it might be related to that, but I, I was very, I'm not going to go to the, um, to the church or anything like that, because to me it felt like a hostile place and not the place where I wanted to take something that felt sacred. Oddly, you know, I mean, you think a church would be exactly where you'd want to bring something sacred, but the, I was wounded. So in that place, I, um, so my place of, where I would go is to books. So um, that was my where my intellect felt safe. So I, I started looking for books. And the closest thing I could think of to start my search was reading about near-death experiences. And uh, and so I did, and that that started to open my mind further. That there was a, you know, they would talk about somebody who was like a past was a regression therapist, and he would regress people usually to childhood. And what happened in one one day with one client, he regressed them beyond birth, before birth, and accidentally, like he, I guess he wasn't clear with his instruction, and so they accidentally regressed before birth, where they were in that intermediate state before before uh, incarnating. And so that sort of blew his mind. And then he started investigating that. They call it the Bardo state, right? This sort of, and that's where I learned about a lot more than one life and, and that sort of thing. So reading those books and and that fascinated me. And, um, and then a friend who was more open introduced me to some channeled material. Now I would never have listened to channeled material or read about it. You know, that would have been way too, too crazy. But because I was now in this more open state I wa and I wanted to learn, I was willing to suspend my judgment until after I read it. And then I was going to decide for myself whether I believed it or not. And so I was introduced to the, to the writings of Jane Roberts. I don't know if you've heard, heard of her, uh, the Seth material and Seth Speaks and all that. And that, that was amazing. That, um, it was, it's just a little paperback. It's not a, not a, a yeah, this was, I think, Seth Speaks. And uh, it took me a year to read it. And I'm a fast reader. But the reason it took a year was because every paragraph was mind-blowing. Every paragraph, I had to put the book down and go, whoa. And so my brain was, you know, was was vibrating. And, and I started to, I felt like there were like, as I was uh, reading it over that year, I, I felt like there were little connections being made in my brain as if, as if some ancient lock was being unlocked, the little tumblers moving and, and, and connections. And I had the, the most uncanny experience that even though it was brand new to me and mind-blowing, a part of me said, I know this. I didn't know how I knew it. I'd never read anything like this. I, yeah, it's like this was, it was more, more of a review. Exactly. And, um, and, Although I'd never seen it before in my life, and even a, a, so, that was the beginning of my journey as a seeker. Yeah. And uh, I stood. I, I the first ten years of my seeking were all intellectual. So I was, I was um, reading mostly and talking with others who were interested in that sort of thing. And so I, it was still safely in my intellect, uh, in my in my mind, but. It's not the same as embodying it and putting it in your life and using what you learn 
on a practical basis. And, and by then I'd gotten into readings, you know, of people like Wayne Dyer and Louise Hay and, you know, wonderful. Yeah, and I, I like Wayne Dyer because he's, he's very practical. So he, that was what I needed. Yes, and so that's I resonated with that, and that was helping me as as a practical engineer to to try stuff and to it was so helpful, and also Louise Hay I found really helpful because she was talking about how our mind affects our body, and what we tell ourselves influences our our, our emotions, it influences our state of health and that sort of thing, and so you know I read many 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 different you know, books, hundreds of books in that period. But but it slowly dawned on me because I had literally, it felt like my heart had broken because of this experience, but I hadn't dealt with the emotional wound. Right. You know, I was safely in my intellect dealing with, you know, learning more about the expanded world, expanded consciousness and all that, which was a nice way of uh, avoiding my feelings. And so I came to a place where I, I sensed, so by then I was starting to sense things more intuitively and that sort of thing. It was opening more to intuition. And I had this nagging feeling that if I didn't deal with my emotional wound, I I would get ill. And and I wasn't sick. There was no symptoms or anything. Just this intuitive feeling, don't put it off too long. To, uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. And all the anger and resentment and all of that stuff is... Those emotions can kill you uh, over time. You know, they take they take a long time, but it's a poisoning basically uh, of your system. Yeah. Just one emotional wound. Yeah. And and anger by itself, if it's properly released, is fine. It's when it turns into resentment, right, and hatred, and and the this sort of slow burning anger um, that that it kill that it eventually kills you. So. Uh, um, so I wanted to, I had no idea how do you heal emotions, right? What, I, up until then, I was familiar with the intellect, with the emotions, I didn't know, uh, except for pain. And, um, and so I happened to be living in Germany at the time and, uh, working there. And, um, I had found, it was in Hamburg, uh, in Germany, and I had found a, a new age bookstore there which happened to have a section of english books and um and so i went in there seeing if i could find anything that would you know give me a clue on where to go next because that was my go-to thing was books right and uh and as i was as you know looking at a, a bookshelf i was down looking at the lower lower books lower level of the bookshelf the staff came by with a uh, one of the staff members came by with a box of fresh books and uh, and they they put one right in front of my face, and the title of the book was "The Healing of Emotions." Okay. <laughs> so I was given. I you know, asking who shall find right, and so it it shall be given. And uh, and so right in front of my nose was a book called "The Healing of Emotions," and I thought, "Whoa, I think this one's for me." And so it's it's funny how once you open up to the reality of the universe and the, the, the this vast consciousness Absolutely. that we're part of Absolutely. it's there to help us and uh, all you have to be, do is be willing to to notice 
what yeah. the help it gives you. It's and this is an example of a little prompt that I hadn't anticipated, right. you know. But suddenly, at least I was aware now that inf- you know that clues will happen, and so and I had to laugh when I saw the title. It was like a perfect answer to what I was wanting, and and yeah, and so the book was was by Chris Griscom who's an American, lives in New Mexico, and she has um, founded the the Light Institute of Galisteo, which is um, all about past life therapy. And um, and so, uh, and she was famous in Europe, which is why they, they had her book. Not so famous in the U.S., not that many people have heard of her, but she was made famous by Shirley MacLaine. In Shirley MacLaine's books, yeah, out on the... Yes, yeah, that she mentioned that a healer in, in New Mexico. Well, that was Chris Griscom. Wow. And so, um, and I'd read some of Shirley's books too. And so right. the reason it was so famous in Europe was because everybody loved Shirley's books. And then they, then they were really intrigued by this healer. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and so, um, so I read that book, The Healing of Emotions, and I became really intrigued about what, what was so interesting was that the notion of, of the soul's journey and that there's that we are actually souls having, you know, spirit having a human experience and that our spirit is eternal and it goes on these human adventures for specific purposes. And so it's like working on a much larger theme and it's not something that you can finish in one life. And so... and. You know, if even if you want to talk about the theme of compassion, for example, you can't really understand uh, compassion. You can't really feel compassion until you've experienced pain, and and so you know, where sometimes it may seem like a lifetime is very unfair because it's so painful, it's actually part of the plan to open our compassion, which then in the next life we get to use it as compassion rather than pain, but it, it seems very unfair in the lifetime where we experience the pain. But the other piece is you also have to understand the, the psyche of the abuser, the person who inflicts pain, because in order to have a true understanding of, of uh, compassion and power, you have to be both, you have to walk in the shoes of both, right? And so often if we're working on the larger theme of power, for example, uh, we will start out, uh, obviously, as beginners, we don't know what the heck we're doing, and so we're gonna we're gonna do we're either gonna abuse it or we're gonna take it, and um, and, and we're like a two year old, right? How a two year old throw tantrums and will take another kid's toy or beat them up and say, "I want it," you know? We're like that in our early early incarnations, and then generally people don't like it when you do that. So they, usually you might, you'll have a violent life, a violent death because of, of revenge and from the other parties. So and so, yeah, and after, the, after you die, you say, oh, I'm not going to do that again. You know? <laughs> oh, I guess that didn't work. And so the next time you come in, you, that's, that's the lesson that you learned from that life. That lesson goes with you. Absolutely. Even though the body doesn't, Absolutely. the um, the lessons the soul lessons that we learn from life to life we do take with us and right. that's how we're able to grow over this, this is just a vehicle this is exactly just vehicle. exactly this is our spacesuit if you like for for it's planet earth yep. Yep. yeah mm-hmm. and and it's and it's response to our thoughts so we we're powerful creator beings oh, uh, and our thoughts affect our physical reality our physical body our cells are immersed in our our consciousness Right. And and they respond, 
And, and there's a lot of um, scientific studies about that, too, if you've read any of um, Dr. Bruce Lipton's work on Absolutely. epigenetics and that Absolutely. sort of thing, Absolutely. and how our thoughts can even, even if we aren't consciously doing it, our thoughts can change our genes. Absolutely. Uh, so we're not, we're not sub, you know, whereas conventional medicine has in the past claimed that we were basically the result of our genes. It turns out our gene expression is under our control. Uh, not most of us don't know that, and so it's not under our conscious control. But our unconscious thoughts will certainly affect our health and, and what our genes Absolutely. do. So, so just to recap a little tiny bit and to make sure I'm understanding it correctly, you're doing a great job. <clears throat> From the event with your partner at the time, it was pretty much a full decade of all the readings and the studies. Yeah, that was part A. <laughs> And then part B was the healing. And so I, I did go ahead with it. I went, I called them, called the, the Light Institute from Germany and yeah. and asked them, I wanted to book sessions. I wanted to try it. And uh, because I knew I needed to heal my emotions. And this was, this made sense to me. After I read the book, I said, yeah, I want to try this. It looks interesting. And I really was intrigued by the whole idea of a soul's journey. And uh, that suddenly puts everything in a different perspective. And yeah, so I called them and they, they said, um, where are you calling from? And I mentioned Germany and I said, oh, well, we've got a, we've got a, a branch in France. Would you be interested in setting up a session there? So, and I'd always wanted to visit France. So I said, sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, all right. You know, <laughs> no. so I was, I said, yeah. So I, I booked a session, a couple of sessions, actually. The, you now the way it worked is they did, it was like, four day it would be four like two or three hour days but it's a very intensive work it's an intensive right and so i did two sets of sessions so that means total of eight days with i put a week in between um so i did some tra traveling in between uh, to explore france and then uh, so i did two very concentrated sets of the sessions and then i while i was there um the i stayed in this 12th century french country inn and who, yeah, so the the um, the people who were sort of coordinating the Light Institute's activities in France owned this French country inn, and they weren't the, the, the director, but they were the coordinator. So they would make sure that the facilitators had a place to stay, and they would they would take care of the, the, pay, the clients, and they would drive us to our sessions and all that sort of thing. So it was, it was a nice, nice sort of protected environment. They were, in, they were in the countryside in France. So it was a tiny little village, just a crossroads. And they had this, this yeah. hotel. Environment in the world. Most yeah. It says, yes, so, it's, it says so much. Yeah, yes. And, and so, um, they were surrounded by vineyards and little farms and that sort of thing and beautiful place. And I got to know the owners of this um, French country inn and uh, they were, the, the husband was English and the wife was Austrian and they had, they had taken this place and transformed it from a ruin in 12th century. I mean, that's at the time of the inquisition, right? And, and that sort of thing. So yeah, it was pretty powerful times uh, when that was built, and it was a, a post hotel, which means that they, the stagecoaches would, right. you know, because to arrest the horses, they would stop there, and yeah. then the guests would all get out and stay overnight there, and then when the horses were refreshed, then they would get going and do the next leg of their journey. Rich history. 
Yes, exactly. And when they bought the place, it was a ruin. They, they could see through the, they could see the sky through their roof, right? So, they and they did a beautiful job restoring it, and um, it was beautifully decorated too with. Uh, so you would be with afford, floors and. You would be afforded simultaneously, like I do the monikers of my shows, food for the mind, the body. And the soul you were the it, Oh yeah, it was fabulous. It was I was I was being taken care of, no doubt about it. And it was it was. Yeah. That's what I find, you know, when you follow follow spirit. Yeah. Um it takes care of everything. You know, it's it's like it's um yeah, so it's it's actually fun to and follow spirit when, once you open to it. And I'm sorry, refresh my memory how long now from that period of time till you actually authored the book or your first book? Oh, gosh. Um, when was that? So that was in 92 Okay. Uh, that I went for, for my sessions. Okay. And I authored the book originally in 2009. Okay. So quite a long time before. And then I, I uh, updated it a few years ago in 2019, 10 years cool. later. So there so, was a re-edition yeah, I put out a newer edition in 2019, Perfect. so 10 years later. And uh, so it's a long journey. Uh, yeah. I warned you. <laughs> it really is. So, but it's such a combination of obviously trauma. We've all had trauma to however it's manifested ourselves. And truth be told, all of us have had a childhood trauma to whatever degree. Obviously, some more severe, yes. lasting, and what have you. But we've also been conditioned in mindsets for so long to coincide with that point being your normal your reaction you know god bless you for the suicide part you know that's you know but maybe outside of that that's what we were taught to yeah. you know, react to oh my god my world's over now the the yes and especially you know and not to make light of the beautiful life of a man and a woman and the children yes in light of that I'm not making light of yeah. that example when it's shattering. Yeah. So it is, and and it's, we've been conditioned at, at the same. Yes, time. yes, and, and we're taught that that's that's the end goal, right? And not only that, I think we're more reactive in our twenties and thirties. Oh, uh, everything's more of a you know. As I get older, it's yeah, exactly. As you get older, you realize things aren't as bad as we expect or we think. But everything is a lot more dramatic when I when I was younger, right? And and uh, and so we take things harder. That's the beauty of getting older. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, we finally sort of find an even keel. And I, I look, well, I look back at, and I send myself love. Right? I didn't know. I didn't. I thought I, that, here, that that the problem is we think we know. We think we know, right? Exactly, exactly. And that's, I think that's a human thing. I think they call it the arrogance of youth, right? Yeah, and our, all of us have been that. Our parents were like that, too, when they were in their, their 20s and 30s, right? And and it's just... It's, militaristic parents or whatever. Exactly, exactly. It was like that, Aunt Louise or whatever in the family. Yeah. And, and we all, God willing, and you know, assuming we survive it, we uh, we eventually mature and we mellow. And, and that mellowing is we realize a lot of the things that we thought were emergencies weren't really. Oh, a lot of the things that we were afraid of didn't, never manifested, and uh, and so we start to stop being so on high alert. And um, I agree. I agree. 
And we start to realize, you know, often there's a middle ground. I think, especially as little children, we tend to think black and white, right? And I think we're still thinking a little bit that way as we get older, you know, in our 20s and 30s. We're still, it's it's improving, but we're still, we still have that limited way of seeing things. Yeah, and and I'm not judging any generation. I was like that. You know, this is this I think is just natural human development. And it's as our brain develops and as life teaches us through our experiences, we begin to realize that there's life is richer than that. Absolutely. There's so much more and, and more to we also realize there's so much more to appreciate about life yeah. as we get older too, right? Really and good. I've I've just found every every year getting better and I, I'm happier every year and less dependent on external things happening to make me happy. Exactly. So yeah. it's like a nourishing yeah. Right. Sorry? You really can smell a rose. I mean, it sounds corny or whatever. No, I love that. Appreciate the color, the aura. Yes. It's just truly, uh, we've taken those things in a lot of cases for granted. You're walking by the same rose for 28 years or whatever. Yes. Figuratively speaking, before you're smelling it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the funny thing is that when we're li- really little, right, before, we try, before we try to be cool, Right. When we're when we're brand new, we're still connected to spirit. We're into that too, and I think that's one of the reasons grandparents get along so well with their grandchildren Absolutely. because we're on the same frequency. It's not not childish, but it's a place of wonder and appreciation and joy that we lose touch with in the intervening years without all our responsibilities. Right? We sort of forget about the joy. And, well, and I'm, I'm sure parents get to experience that with their little when their kids are little, right? And uh, they get to have a little taste of that again, and, and that must be delightful. I'm not a parent myself, so uh, I don't know. But I'm a grandparent, and I always tease now. It's my son's turn, I say, in <laughs> and it's the grandparent that I have a degree of neutrality. This is why in her relationship is rock solid with her parents. I don't agree with that. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, the grandparents, to your earlier point, they know there's neutrality a little bit, too. They're not... Um, yeah, they know that we actually we we actually can bounce. <laughs> We're not fragile, and and the, yeah, and and they've had their they've had their their bumps too, and they've had their pain, and that's and they survived, and they realized okay, it wasn't as bad as I thought. You know, at the time I thought it was the end of the world, but in fact, I I healed, and that, and that's the most amazing thing is that. Our bodies, even if we're talking just physical health, so our bodies are designed to heal. They so know resilient. how to heal. So resilient, the body and the mind. It is, and it, and it, re, it re, exactly, and it restores itself. So, I mean, I, I think about this, and I, yeah, I've read that the body replaces all its cells within seven years. Like some things replace within 24 hours, right? So yeah. here we have this amazing body. And we're taught to think it's it's just a machine, and that it like we're taught that okay, your car deteriorates, so you do too. It's not true. We actually have the it's the, the mechanisms. It's built and designed with the mechanisms to heal itself at any age. It doesn't stop when you get older. It's from one to ninety-two, the old Nat King Cole verse, if you will. But it's so true. It's you know, however young or old you are, chronology-wise, you can never start to be aware of that too early in life. It takes a while. It takes a yes. while. But once you do, the longevity that you can be around if you practice what you're learning, you can live to be a really ripe old son of a gun. Yeah, I think until it's no fun anymore, that's when you quit. Right? <laughs> and I think so long as you can... Yeah. 
So long as I know people who are, I know people who are in their late nineties and they're still doing well. And, and it's because that first of all, they, they have a kind of a mentality. They love helping people right. and that nourishes them. Right. Well, most people would think that would drain you, but if you're in, in a loving space, you're doing it from love rather than should, rather than, um, it actually nourishes you when you, when you get to share your gifts and to help people. And, um, and I think that's what keeps them young is that the, 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 that's an energy. Absolutely. The energy of love is deeply nourishing and it's your own love when you're expending it towards others in genuinely loving ways. The love that you are sharing is flowing through you first. Absolutely. And so all your cells are benefiting from it, even as you're giving it to someone else. Yeah, quick question for you now, and I confuse my guests and I confuse things a lot. Were you the one that told me you recently listened into my interview with Dr. Tom Waldorf? Yeah, that was me, yeah. I'm yeah. See, there is a little time yeah. to hold for me, a little time. <laughs> no, my point yeah. is on the, he had, he mentioned in that interview in his integrative health clinic, yes, a man, 102 years old as we speak, that started speed training on a heavy bag at 99 years old and he's looking wow it, it made me ashamed because i like yeah pretty good at 68 it gave me something to aspire for so to your point you can do it at any age if you get absolutely uh, it's and um you know they say i think it was henry ford who said you know you can uh if you're right if you think uh, you can do something you can, you're right. If you think you can't do something, you're right. Either way, you're right, right? You're, 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 you're thinking will affect what you're able to do. And, and I, one of the things that I, um, as an energy practitioner, I'm, I, I'm aware of our, our own individual energy, but we also have a group energy. We, our energies, you know, we attract people of like mind and that sort of thing. But we also, as a species, we, we actually put out our thoughts and, and they like thoughts combined so we're actually creating like a field of a certain certain thought forms right and one of the pernicious ones is the thought of aging that aging is inevitable and it's inevitable decline and that unfortunately is being also reinforced by the medical profession and the pharmaceutical companies because they their profits are dependent on that and and so um it's up to us now we can't that's a a big thing and and everyone who believes it is reinforcing and feeding that thought form right so it's like smug it's it's an energy it's a, a thought field that we're being constantly bombarded with it's on youtube it's on television and it's uh, it's everybody i know uh, you know who suddenly say turn 60 or even 50 they start looking for for evidence that they're getting old uh, every ache and twinge, oh, I'm getting old. You know, one moment of uh, lapse of memory, oh, I'm getting old. And the thing is, we had those things when we were 20. Exactly. You know, exactly. we had that too, but we didn't call it being old. We just said, we you know, so oh, I can't remember. Right. We were so conditioned that a certain number of, oh, my God, I'm going to be 55. Oh, my, oh my God, I'm really old now. Or something. Yeah, we exactly. They put numbers on yeah. Well, when I when I was uh, thirty nine, right. you know, I was I kept saying I'm almost forty. I'm almost forty. I completely missed being thirty nine. Yeah. So I went from thirty to almost forty to, to forty, and then I thought, what happened to thirty nine? You know, I wasted a perfectly good year. <laughs> right? The birthday thing that can be traumatic in and of itself if we allow it to. 
Yeah, and my parents, they were always 29, you know, even into their 90s. You know, so. Actually, that's not true. When they got into their 90s, they were proud of their age, and they started almost 100, right? So they rounded up by then. But, Age in this crazy world, there's something to be said for that. That's an accomplishment. That's yes, an accomplishment. yeah, absolutely. And and the thing is, I really believe it's in our under our control. It's not something that just happens to us, you know. And that's where the energy comes in, and uh, you know, maintaining a, a positive, enthusiastic state of mind is um, is is helpful. It actually helps your cells to rejuvenate and that sort of thing. It's it's nourishing. If you allow yourself to to, um, to be drawn down into um, negative thinking, a dystopian thinking, I mean, it's not to say that those things aren't there, but you don't have to dwell on them. Exactly. You don't have to wallow in them. If you wallow in them, you're actually poisoning yourself. So cut it out. <laughs> if you want, if you want to enjoy your life, it's not being in denial about the things that are wrong in our world. You can see them, but don't buy into them and say, that's the end of my happiness because your happiness is under your control. Absolutely. And, uh, and so in fact, it's, a, I should be taken as a reminder when that happens. Okay. So what's my part in this? How can I right. make things better in the world? How can I contribute to a different thought form Correct. for humanity than what's currently happening? Right. And and there are plenty of people who are on the awakening path and who are opening, to, you know, consciously choosing to love and consciously meditating and sending love to the world, right? Consciously holding positive thought forms. And that is one of the easy things we can do to start transforming our planet, right? And starting to nourish a different mind field, Absolutely. you know, of, of positive and life-enhancing thought. And uh, and more and more people are starting to do that. They're starting well, to realize that. Actually, yeah, I've been blessed to be in some pretty substantial intuitive group numbers, and it, it's our it's encouraging for it's me. Growing. Well, it's it's yeah. encouraging. Speaking of my granddaughter, to know that intuitives that are much younger than I, chronology wise, and that's great because they're going to be there for that generation. Exactly, and that's so heart enlightening to myself as well. Yes. So yeah, and 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 we we're going to be there for them, and so you know that's we're doing our part while we're here. There will come a point. Yeah, exactly, and we'll come in as their kids, you know. <laughs> so it's not like our work's done; it's just that our work in this life is done. When we get to the end, and I I think I think it's entirely possible to have a peaceful death when when you looking back on your life with with pleasure and and gratitude and saying, you know, I did my part and there's, I feel like I have more to do, but I want to come in again with it, you know, with, a, a in the next generation so that I can uh, do, do more for longer and, um, and be more helpful. And so you, you know, when, when you, if you're able to achieve that, then you, you die in peace because, you know, it's not the end of you. It's only the end of this adventure, this particular life, right? Yeah, your space suit, all you're doing is dropping the space suit, right? And, and get, going for a, a better model, right? You're, you're upgrading it. Exactly. So, so you used it to uh, best you can. It was suitable for the time period you were here. And, uh, and, uh, now you've got some more adventures you want to go on. And, Absolutely. and you're not limited by gender. You're not limited by race or anything. You can pick whatever you want. Even, even if, 
even if say you're a particular race because of your genetic heritage, when you're coming in a spirit, you can pick anything. You don't have to be, you're not limited by your genetic heritage. You know, you choose it for a particular reason. Exactly, exactly. Exactly. So you might choose to incarnate in the opposite, the feuding other family, right? Just because there's this desire to, maybe you want to be part of the solution. Right. And so, uh, and so you come in to start changing things from the inside. And that's what's so exciting about, I love the expanded understanding of the soul's journey because yes. it makes sense out of all the weird things that happen in our life. And, and you realize that they're all opportunities for growth Absolutely. and, 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 and personal development, soul development. And so then you don't feel quite so flattened by them when they happen. You start to, you start to say, okay, so what am I meant to learn from this? How can I work with this and transform it or turn it around into yeah. something of benefit and something that will help, help me and others? And, and that keeps you engaged with life, right? Because now you've got a more hopeful view. It's not that it's the end of the world, but it's, you know, Earth is going through a tough time and humanity is going through an incredibly tough time because the old systems are leaving. We, we're growing out, outgrowing them, basically psychologically and spiritually, those systems don't work for us anymore. And we're seeing it in all the chaos that's happening, right? It's just not, uh, and there are going to be people who on their soul journey are trying to exploit that, you know, and they're the ones who are oppressing others and that sort of thing. But, you know, they too will be leaving when it's the end of their personal experience. And then they'll come back and, you know, there's a life review after you've, so you get to sort of see things from a different perspective with guidance and, and they say, oh, my God, I didn't get that. And then uh, the next life, they often will make amends. They'll be inspired to do something different. Correct. And if they don't, when, you know, they'll end up finding themselves on the receiving end of all the stuff they yeah. doled out because that's necessary for them to learn compassion. So, it, you know, you have to walk a mile in the other person's shoes to truly get them mm -hmm. and to respect them. And so, you know, they may be doing well now, Um and having fun with that. And then when their, their time's up, then they'll come back again, but now they'll come back wiser. So a part of them will say, you know, their own higher self will say, you know, uh, we need to understand the other side of the picture. So we're going in and, and take some of this stuff ourselves. We're going to be receiving some of the stuff we doled out in our next life. And it's not that they're a victim. It's that they've chosen that to, to balance things out in themselves in their own journey, right? And the same thing is true for people who are victims now. On the larger story, um, they've had experiences where they were on the other side of the victim power um, dynamic, right? The oppressor. And they've had experiences as oppressors. They're not being punished. They're just learning. They're just learning compassion. So, so the, the pain side is learning compassion, which then teaches you on the in the larger power theme, it's teaching you the wise and loving use of power. So unless you have compassion, you can't understand the wise and loving use, use of power because you don't understand love. It's and, kind of uh, you have to learn it, but it's kind exactly. of... Exactly. And, and we seem to learn it the hard way, okay. right? We seem to learn it... <laughs> and again, the dog chasing his tail because we've been conditioned that way. Exactly. It, it's a proverbial circle that I agree with you is starting to crack and break and for the good. For the 
Yes. It is. It is. And it's painful. Absolutely. We've got some work to do still. It's an ongoing, yes. it's an ongoing process for sure. Speaking of which, what's on Gail's horizon? Another book or are there aspirations? Yeah, I would like to write another book. Um, so the, the book that I've written, Energy is Real, yep. is, is really a beginner's guide to energy. Right. And it's written for the person I was before I had my experience, right? So the, the person who was woo-phobic. Right. And so I don't use any new age terminology at all. Right. I, I don't even mention. It relates so much to what you've conveyed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't talk about chakras, even though they're real. I don't talk about them. They I don't talk about energy anatomy and, and even energy cords and that sort of, which you would get from somebody who's right. normally an energy Correct. Because at the time, I'm trying to talk to the people who are in the state I was in exactly. before I opened to this and exactly. share, share that we do have energy awareness, whether we know it or not. And so I, I give examples of stories of how we how we sense energy, and we all do. Oh. We're, anyone who's got pets knows that animals are, are sensitive, right? They, they can sense miles away when there's somebody angry coming down the road, and they go hide, right? Yeah. Exactly. My cats, you know, they, they would they knew if a dog was coming before the dog even entered our block. And they would senses, acute senses. Yes. And we have that and don't you we have that too. Don't you think Pardon? to sidetrack, don't you think that they see other people in the room or something? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They 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 can they can see way more than we can uh, but so they and and you know they hear more and smell more too so they have expanded physical senses but they also are intuitive you know they, they pick up energy and I, I had to find I had cats I don't anymore um, but I did when I had to and, uh, and so I had to really guard my thoughts when I want if a cat got out right and it was uh, they were allowed out in the day but if it was nighttime because we had coyotes and and, you know, raccoons that can do damage. I would keep them in at night. And if they got out, if they sneaked out or, or somehow got out when I had the door open, then I had a, I would have to bring them back. Nature is nature. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and they were pretty pleased with themselves. But my cats, they wouldn't just disappear. They would they would dash out the door, and then they'd stop and lick their paw and sort of, ah, I made it. And then, uh, and then if I went after, you know, went to get them, they'd take off. So I had to be careful to shield my thoughts and what instead what I, because if they knew what I was planning, they, they'd deal with it. They, they'd avoid it and that would be the game for them, right? For them, it was a game. So what I would have to do is instead I would, I would pretend I was accompanying them and say, oh, what a lovely evening. Isn't it nice? And they'd be sitting there competitively. Yeah, yeah it is nice. And then I'd be thinking, I'd be, I would radiate love to them. I love you. You're such a lovely cat. Here, let me come and cuddle you. And they would come up to me. And I go, I got you. They're so receptive. But they wouldn't struggle because they like the cuddle, right? And next thing you know, they're safe inside again. So so I learned through owning, I learned a lot through owning pets. But, uh, but the thing is, just like pets and animals are hypersensitive to energy, so are we. We just don't know it. We've been taught to ignore that information from childhood. Little children are very sensitive. And, you know, if they, they try and mention things, you know, the parents will just laugh and say, oh, you've got a good imagination. But it, their parents have, have shut off their awareness because it's not in our... Child's so at a very... Yeah. Almost infant state. 
Yeah, absolutely. Coming in. So we have the same skills that our, our pets do, but we, because we're too, we too are mammals, right? In, in, in our forms. And uh, we come with the same equipment as all the other mammals in that sense of, of energy, energy senses. So we do have a full set of senses that are energetic senses. And, um, and that includes our intuition yes. and, um, and also our, um, uh, intuitive, intuition, but also things like divine knowing, where you might might get a, it's like a complete package of information. It's unlike, intuition's kind of vague, right? But di- di- direct knowing is like, it's as if you suddenly get a package of detailed information out of nowhere. You just suddenly know something. You don't know how you know it, but you, just like when I experienced that feeling of, I know this, when I was reading that book by Jane Roberts, that's what you would call direct knowing. Like it's some, you just know it. And and you're certain of it, right? Innately to the surface. It's been there for a really long time. But those words, whatever it is that makes us connect within the book, the chapter, the verbiage, once that connects, the innateness of what you've known and has been submersed for so long comes to light. And not only that, you know more about you know, The more you think about it, the more you know. The so it's like the details, like it's the like a download. The details just drop in place. And you realize, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> so that's one of our, our abilities. And uh, and we can uh, we can pick up, of course, emotional energy and that sort yeah. of thing from others. And yeah. so our consciousness is way more expanded than we, we realize. And, and it's only... And in other countries, there are other countries where that's encouraged. So they know that that's part of their culture. But in the West here, in North America, for example, we're taught not to trust that. We're taught that, oh, oh you're just making that up. And and uh, not to. And also we'll pick up things like we can pick up danger. We can pick up, you know, abu- somebody who's got manipulative or abusive. We sense that. Really? You know, even if we don't have evidence, we sense it. We know there's something really? going on. And but but of course they'll deny it if you say something right they'll say no I'm not you're making that up you're oh you're nuts you know but that's in their interest to say that and, um, and so there's a lot of manipulation that happens because we've turned off our energy awareness. We're all empaths within us. I'm an empath by birth sign, so it's almost to go to your point. It's almost like a revolving satellite of how much I take in and feel literally the good, the bad, and the ugly sometimes. Yes. Sometimes simultaneously from like the proverbial crowded room. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Very physically draining when you feel that much that you're trying to balance. Yes. Yeah. For example, have you ever been in a thrift store? You know what it's like, right? It's like thousands of voices all speaking at the same time because their clothing that they're that they're giving up for you know, for consignment or for, or for sale, it's still imbued with their energy. And so you're picking up as an empath. It's like, I have to leave those places. I can't stand to be in there for very long because it's like being in a giant crowd. Yeah. And, and, and often, you know, sometimes their energy is not pleasant. No. And so, uh, and, and if I do buy something there, which I don't do very often, but if I do, I do take great pains to clear it of any previous energy before I use it. So, uh, yeah, because I only want my energy in my world, in my home, uh, so that I know where I'm coming from. You're getting their vibes while they were sewing or whatever bad day they had or good day. Exactly. Or God forbid, the sorted history or whatever. 
right? Yeah, and even even you know our home places will pick up our energy, and so if you know you know what it's like to go into a hospital, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, there's this this underlying current of anxiety wherever you go, and and people are dying, people are frightened, people are grieving, and uh, and that energy is pervading the place, and and the poor doctors and nurses have to work in that field, it's you know. Amazing. So imagine the stress. Right. And and so there are things that you can do to protect yourself uh, that are worth learning so that you, you have a bit of a shield as you go into those places so that you're not quite so affected by it. And uh, and I, I would love it if, you know, doctors and nurses learned how to do that for themselves because it would be better for their patients, right, if they're able to come from those places. More of them like Dr. Tom Waldorf that marched to the alternative. And that's yes. that's slowly but surely coming more prevalent in the Western medical school philosophy field. It's going to take a while longer still, but it's on a yeah, very, it's happening. very positive shift. I, I think so. And I, if you think about the people who become doctors, uh, I mean, they – Originally, their thought is one of service. They they, they want to help. Well, they but, don't uh, believe in most. Really believe in the Hippocratic. Oh, yes. I think I think you know, especially when they're when they're young and idealistic. You know, I mean, there are going to be some who, who are looking at it for the money, but for I would say for the majority, Sometimes. for the majority, there's a desire to help. Right? There's 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 a noble noble motive. Right. It's then they get sucked into the system. Correct. And uh, and I think many of them are unhappy because oh, the system right. nowadays isn't letting them do I, what they came to do. Not that you need my assurance on anything, but I can assure you that I'm involved very heavily with an alternative doctor here in my own uh, client-patient-doctor relationship. I've taken this certification course. My point is I attend his monthly webinars, which is mostly practitioners, which I am not, and they are from the Western ilk and for, yes. the, for the most part, for the most part. And they're very receptive. The man who's at the helm of it is very renowned within that. He's considered an expert and is, so that's more fortuitous to get that conglomeration in his entourage of students. If you yes. The point is, it, it is definitely starting to open up for the Western practitioners. Many of them, yeah. like you said, had that in their belly when they went to Oh, Absolutely, and there's a longing. I think. I mean, there's their soul wanted that. Correct. That's why you know why they answered that, and their soul's not happy. Correct. You know, it, it it has its own purpose, and uh, and being a doctor or at least a healer was part of why they're here. And so, if that's not being met, if they're being forced to become, you know, it's more by the administration because a lot of them are, you know, members of this the hospital has become a business. And uh, and rather than about healing, okay. and, um, and it's not to say good things don't don't happen in the conventional uh, medical. Uh, for many things, they're uh, amazing what they can do, and I'm not saying we should stop doing that. But I do think that there's there's very much an application. It, it's yes, the both worlds, and I think it's yeah. For I think with surgery and amazing. Um, Technology, people are, you know, even even if you look at the fact that people, you know, don't have to go blind from cataracts anymore. You know, something as simple as that is miraculous. With laser surgery, that's next for me, but it's so true. Me so, too, yeah. I'm hoping that me we too. can exchange like, oh, that plant really is orange. Or I, tease a little, I tease a little bit. It's supposed to, I, I hear really good stories about laser yes. surgery. 
Yeah, I've, I have too, and it's very, it's so easy. It's done in a, it's done in a outpatient. Yeah, it's just like fifteen minutes. Yeah, so they're amazing breakthroughs, and and, and many doctors are, are compassionate and and caring, and, and many of them are open and will quietly introduce ideas to their patients, and you know, including proper diet and things like that, which, you know, for, for thousands of years was probably the primary medicine was, was diet and exercise, right? And, uh, and some herbs and, and things like that. But uh, then technology kind of got in and technology has its place. So I'm not, I'm not saying we go back. You wanted me to sort of keep you on I'll have you here. We talked about that. I'll have you here. Oh, yeah. But I know you have some other things to do. I, as I said, I can talk forever. Especially on a favorite subject, right? Two, two quick things on that. I would love to invite you back so we can continue this. Subject. I would love that. Yeah, that'd and be great. Something I do, and I and I fervently believe in it. I have what I call a virtual mall on my landing page. And it's simply just directing folks directly to people like yourselves. And it just lists it. And they can obviously enjoy and be familiar with what you bring to the table and your services and so forth. And then later on down the road, there is an advocacy opportunity for the said individuals if they want to come back to do my own wares. It's, it's kind of like a win-win thing. But first and foremost, I do it under goodwill ambassadorship. I'm a happy camper if they come and enjoy your services and say, thanks, Bill, and go on their merry way. And I mean that. I mean that fervently. Because I'm retired now, and you know, not independently wealthy or anything like that. Not here to say that. I do two income streams passively, but it's more important for me. My calling from an earlier age is I've always put people, people, pets, and the planet way ahead of profits, and that's my belief until I do leave this planet in this vehicle. So through all that rumble jumble, I'm going to have you listed in the virtual mall. And I'm going to give you an open invite, and maybe where I'm fully retired this way, although I'll be fully retired, my schedule might be more open to just work around your schedule when, where, and if you can come back, and we'll make it happen. No, that would be lovely. I'd be, I'd be honored. That'd Thank be great. You. That'd be great. Was there anything that you feel as though we should say, a departing message or something like that before we do leave? No, we I, I just wanted to say that um, – you know, I talked about the past life stuff. That's not my primary. I, I do do that. But I later ended up studying uh, with Barbara Brennan, who is yes. the author of Hands of Light. Yes. And that I learned a lot about the development of consciousness as well as um, how the body responds to our energy and that sort of thing. And it was like a four-year program. So it was very intense. And that, so I combined kind of that whole soul journey thing with the Barbara Brennan work so that, but I, when I work with people, I'm also helping them understand their soul's purpose and what the what the larger journey is that their soul is on. So it adds a, like another dimension to the work I do, and it's where my passion is. So that's all I wanted to say about that. And that that if people are interested, I do have, as I mentioned, my website. But uh, if they're interested in learning a bit more about energy, I if they can sign up for my newsletter, they'll get a free. Uh, download of the first chapter of my book which okay. is all about opening to sense energy so please it's got those, please do give those particulars right now to everyone right? yeah so go to my website energyisreal.com and um and if you go you'll see a, a number of buttons about you know click 
to get a free preview of the book. Well, that preview includes the first chapter, which has six exercises in it to help you begin to open your awareness, your energy you awareness. Yeah, I do, do. And, and also on the free resources page of my website, I have six download, audio downloads for each of those exercises. So you can, um, you can actually listen and follow along as it guides you through the exercise. So, uh, and there are fun things to do with, with your kids and, and uh, grandchildren too. Um, so it, I think it's worth doing that. And then if you like what you've learned, then you can go ahead and there's a link to buy the book if you like. It's on, on Amazon as well. Unfortunately, I don't have a Kindle version yet. It's in the works. Uh, that's my next... Yeah, the, it'll be out this year, but uh, I, it's, I'm, it's almost, I mean, it's almost ready. I just have a few tweaks to do to it, but apart from that. As we have discussed here today, and listen, maybe the next time around the subject matter is entirely up to yourself, but maybe we can expand upon your work with Barbara the next time around. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's perfect. So, yeah. I'm going to bid you adieu. All right. Well, thank you so much, Grandpa Bill. It's been a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you so much, and I'll look forward to the next opportunity that we can communicate. You awesome. Thank you so much for being thank here. Thank you. Have a great Thank day. you. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today. Bye. Thank you. Thanks again, Gail. Thank you.